You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and give me a call. A couple things, and then we're going to get right to the calls. Um, if you want to join us on our recordings and our podcast, we have uh, something going on almost every day of the week. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we do our recordings for this show. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we have other podcasts going on as well. And the best way to stay up on those is to get on our text message list. Real simple to do. Just text the word listen to 99,000, 99,000, then text the word listen. Then every time we're doing a recording or a podcast, we will send you a text message about 15 minutes early. It'll come right to your phone with the number to dial back in. And you can dial in and just sit and listen to the whole show if you want on your phone, or you can jump in and ask a question or become part of the conversation. And it's always easier to get through with your questions on the recorded hours than it is on the live show. So text the word listen to 99,000 and get on the list. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. We're adding lots of new stuff every day. Uh, the website is very active now. Lots of new things going on. So if you haven't been there in a while, check it out. We're going to get to the phone calls. Let's start off in Nebraska. Dave, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How you doing today? Good. What can I help you with? Kevin, I've got uh, 24 five tall rubber on my truck i've got 355 rear ends 13 speed this is going to sound a little bit funny but we're having trouble hooking and unhooking we do a lot of dropping hooks my son has 22.5 low pros on his truck so as you can imagine we're having uh, having to crank them up crank them down whatever i was thinking about changing my size of tires down to 22.5s because all of our trailers are 22.5 low pros as well what would that do right. to my? Uh, I've got ver- I got very good power right now, you know, torque curve and all that stuff. I'm I'm afraid it's going to really screw up my gear ratio. It really won't. I mean, it'll make it better, except top speed. That's the only thing that really gets affected. Power becomes better, torque becomes better, gearing is better. It's just you lose a little bit on the top speed, and it's not like you really lose it. Sure. It's just you're going to be at a much higher RPM, about 75 RPM higher or so, depending on the exact tire sizes, but 50 to 75 RPM. So for a lot of trucks, it's an improvement in the RPM and the torque curve. Wow. 
Okay, I thought it was just the opposite, to tell you the truth. No, no, it I improves mean, the gear. That's it. Yeah. Okay, because so, here, yeah, here's my, I'm sorry, go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I understand the trailer thing because I was one of the early adopters of 22.5 low profile tires. And I can remember back then having to get out and crank a trailer down every time I tried to hook up to it. Right. Yep. And in fact, the guys that are shagging our trailers around during the week, they've already screwed one up for whatever reason, you know. Uh, and so we want to try to try to stop that if we can. And so I thought if we loaded had both tractors the same, it would be way easier. Because I actually measured mine this morning, Kevin. It's seven inches taller than my son's. Does that sound possible? Uh, it is. That's not just the tire, though. The tire can't possibly right. account for seven inches, but the tire is accounting for roughly two. Um, okay. The other five, just suspension, frame design, fifth wheel design, those kind of things. Um, so going to the smaller tire will certainly help. If, if it's still not enough, you might want to consider a lower profile fifth wheel as well. Okay. Okay, well, we'll kind of keep you informed and everything or keep you up to speed and see how it goes. But I only have to worry I'm in, in 13th gear. I might only speed up about 75, or excuse me, 75 RPMs, right? Yeah, that would be about it. Wow. Okay, well, we'll give her a shot, man. Thank you very much, Kevin. There you go. Let me know how it goes. I think you're going to see a fuel mileage improvement. Nice little bonus. My guess is if you keep everything else the same, just the tire change alone, you should pick up two to three tens. Let's go to Ohio. Mike, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Yeah, I've got uh, an oil sample there for me. Would you take a look at it, please? I will. Let's see what we've got going on here. So uh, what year is this? It's uh, 2000. Oh, did you cut out? No, yeah, I said it's a 2000. A 2000? Yes, 2000 yeah. Freightliner. Uh, okay, the reason I questioned that is because it said a Freightliner Cascadia. Yeah, I don't know how that got in there. I, I never put that okay. in there. I don't know where it comes from. God. Oh, well, good, because I was thinking I was looking at a DD-15, not a Series 60, so I'm glad I asked. Um, yeah. You know, the uh, the fuel dilution is kind of jumping out at me. I don't see anything else. Actually, it's a really clean sample otherwise. Um, the fuel dilution seems to have kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, we went from 1.4 just a couple months ago to 4 all of a sudden. Um, and the viscosity dropped to 12.4, so that's... That's kind of the secondary piece of information that tells us there is really fuel dilution in there because we're losing viscosity. Um, soot still looks good. There are no wear metals to speak of. I mean, it's a really clean sample. I think what I would do is just watch it um, and let's see what happens on the next sample. I don't want to run in and start screwing around with injectors yet. Um because everything else still looks good. So I would say we just keep an eye on it and watch the next sample and see what happens with this fuel dilution. Okay, sounds good. Appreciate it. We're, 
were you did you happen to idle quite a bit more during this period? No, actually, I don't idle at all. Okay. Sometimes just a lot of idle time can increase fuel dilution. So let, let's just keep an eye on it. Um, I'm not too worried. It may, uh, well, let me ask this. How, how many miles are on the injectors in this? I have no idea. I have no idea. I, uh, uh, that's anybody's guess. I mean, the engine itself is about 1.2 or 1.1. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, honestly, on a Series 60, they could be original. I mean, I, I had the majority of my Series 60s went past a million miles, and I never touched the injectors. So these could be original, and if that's the case, it's certainly going to be time to replace them. But let's wait and see what happens on this next sample, because there, there's nothing in here that's going to hurt anything. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thank we'll you. talk to you again when you get your next sample. You're welcome. Let's see. Uh, you know what? We're heading into a break. I'm going to take us into the break, and I'll come back and get to some more calls right after this. Um, the year's just about over, and you know that I'm going to be your conscience till uh, till I get you to do something. Now is the time to get your accounting caught up one way or another. You really should be doing it every month, but if you haven't been, get it caught up right now. It can literally save you thousands of dollars. It can help you run your business better. You're going to pay a lot less in tax. It's going to take that worry and that headache off of you of, of what's going on with your taxes and just get it done. We, we have every kind of program you can imagine to help you get your accounting done. You can use our software for free and do your own. So just sign up for the 30-day trial. You can go back and put in your whole year's worth. You can send it all to us, and we'll do it for $299 for the whole year. And by the time you take that tax deduction off this year for paying for it, it really turns out to be about $199. So you can't beat that deal, but you have to do it before the year is over with to get that tax write-off. And... You really want to get your accounting done before the year is over with. You want it done right now. We're, we're starting into December here shortly, and the sooner you get this done, the better. You can go to the website and check out the programs we have there at Let'sTruck.com, or you can call us 855-800-FUEL, 855-800-3835. We have a tribe care team ready to help you with whatever you need. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. Let's go to California. Paul, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. What can I help you with today? Hey, um, I got a question. What's your 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 input on uh, the difference between two trucks? Like, because you've had Volvos, and uh, uh, I'm I'm looking at a Cascadia with the DD15 or a Volvo with a D13, both automatics, uh, new truck, and wondered what take is or you know any information you have between the two pros and cons. Uh, yeah. what you think would be a better choice. Yeah. So, you know, here's the thing in a perfect world today, if I could build a new truck, I would love to build a Volvo tractor with a DD 15 engine, but that's never going to happen. Okay. So that's out. Okay. So then we have to look at, at what's more important. I love the, I've always loved the Volvo trucks. They're quiet. They ride nice. They hold up really well. They don't rattle. They, they just, they're just a very well-built truck, but I hate the Volvo engine. Absolutely hate it for a lot of reasons. They, they don't have a lot of power. Nobody is ever impressed with the power on a Volvo engine. They just don't get great fuel economy and they, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot we can do with it. And their service network is horrible. I mean, it's just horrible, and it always has been. So, you know, on on the cab and the truck itself, I could put up with the service network because I could have anybody fix that stuff. And even then, I was frustrated because getting parts through them was a nightmare. But that I could live with. What I can't live with is an engine that somebody doesn't know how to fix. That's just too important. So... I would rather have the Cascadia, not as impressed with the quality of the fit and the finish and the cab and that kind of stuff, but the DD15 is probably my favorite new engine. You know, it was built from the ground up to meet all the new emission standards. It gets excellent fuel economy when it runs well. It doesn't burn any oil. Just It's just a great engine, and... Now that Pittsburgh Power has really started paying attention to that engine and they're learning how to tune it and, and keep it running right, that would be my first choice, would be a DD-15. So I would okay. say I, I wouldn't even consider the Volvo because of the Volvo engine. And honestly, the only other option they gave you on the Volvo was the ISX. And I'm not crazy about that engine either. Right. Okay. And as, as far as the automatics, they're... They seem, from what I'm hearing, they seem to be pretty dependable now as far as the, they, the new transmission. They are. You know, we're, we're uh, okay. 16 years. Believe it or not, we're 16 years, actually a little more, almost like 17 years into the auto shift. It Doesn't that seem crazy? They've been around that long. Um, so for the most huh. part, the auto shift is pretty dependable. And we don't seem to get those problems anymore that they can't fix. You know, in the first 10 years or so, we ran into electric issues that they just couldn't seem to figure out. And you could waste a lot of money trying to get them right. I just don't hear much of that anymore. They, they seem a whole lot more dependable. And when something goes wrong, they're pretty good at fixing. Okay. And, um, uh... Do you have any idea what the 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 
Cascadia, I'm looking at is spec at 505 horsepower. Um, is that pretty good for that motor, or can Pittsburgh Power yeah. increase the horsepower more than that? Or they can, and th and that's what I was just going to say. I don't even worry about horsepower and torque settings from the factory anymore because one of the first things I'm going to do on any truck, any engine, is have them tune it, and. There, I mean, we can get all kinds of horsepower out of that engine. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, that pretty much answers my question. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Arizona. Barry, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. Or afternoon, I guess, where you're at. Uh, yeah. What's up? My, my main concern is, uh, is my wife's health problems. She's got a whole slew of problems and uh, I'm trying to know what all she needs to have in front of her before she calls you guys to get set up on that one-on-one uh, -on -one health plan okay. you got. Okay. Well, we make it as easy as possible. We put a lot of work into the, the system program in the background so that the client doesn't much. In fact, all she really needs to do is call. Um, we've got everything set up. She needs an email address so we can get the, the forms out to her. Um, and then we kind of handle it from them from there on. We've got, you know, pretty clear instructions and call, but we, we've made the process as easy as possible. Okay. I mean, it's a pretty much a done deal. If, uh, I mean, there's really no doubt that you can help her out no matter what her problem is basically. Right. You know, absolutely. I, it, no matter what we can improve a ton of things about health. There, there's no question. There isn't a person I couldn't work with and improve most aspects of their health. Now there are some issues and problems that we may not be able to fix. You know, if, if somebody has, you know, a, an established autoimmune condition, we may not be able to reverse some of those. Some of them are just not reversible. But we can improve overall health so much that even an autoimmune condition will get better. Okay. Yeah, she's got ischemic colitis and COPD, and I'm not sure what all that is, but now her kidneys have fat growing on them because of some medication she's been taking for years. So, yeah. That's, <laughs> I, not... so the, um, the, the colitis, certainly we can make huge improvements there. Um, the COPD, uh, maybe some. If you know, with a good diet and some other changes, we cut down on inflammation. She should see her symptoms um, lessen a little bit, but I, it's pretty tough to reverse that one. And the 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 fat on the kidneys, I'd have to see what medication it is, and that's part of the process. We're going to get all that information, and I'm ninety percent sure we can reverse that. All right. Okay. Thank you, Kevin. Hey, I got one more quick question. Um, sure. I'm doing the uh, uh, bulletproof coffee and everything, and you know, kind of changed my diet. Pretty much ketogenic. I'm not. I don't know how to keep track of protein and all that stuff, so I'm just kind of winging it. But I seem to be doing pretty good. But now my belly seems to be coming back. I was wondering. 
I was eating like a hard-boiled egg and some bacon, you know, when I'm out on the road every morning for breakfast, and that seemed to be working, and I, then my belly started coming back, so I cut that out. I don't have any breakfast, but I can't seem to get rid of my belly. I've lost like 20 pounds. I'm like 5, 6, and I started out at like 185 to 190, probably my weight, and I'm down to below 165 now, so I don't really want to lose any more weight. Just kind of oh, good. Okay. Yeah, you know, the thing about um, where fat ends up on our body is kind of genetic more than anything else. Some people tend, tend to gain weight in their midsection. Some gain it in their face or their arms. or that, That's mostly genetics. And sometimes the only way to get rid of that is to lose more of the weight. And, and if you don't want to lose the weight, then... You know, we could do some things that might tighten up that area. It, it could be that you're stalling a little bit because of uh, an issue like digestion. Um, one of the things I would say is is just keep doing what you're doing on, on the Bulletproof. And let's just give it some more time and see what happens. And if, it, if you know, you're not seeing any progress in another, you know, 30 days or so, um, let's look at it again and see if there's something we can do next. But it, it sounds to me like even without tracking the numbers, you were in ketosis, you lost the weight. Those are all good signs. So l- let's just give it some more time and see what happens. Okay, I understand the bulletproof coffee like forces you into ketosis. Does eating breakfast after that screw that all up or what? Uh, no, no, it, it, as long as no. you're not eating. As long as you're not eating a lot of carbs, if you eat a lot of carbs at a meal, that will knock you out of ketosis. So, or too much okay. protein. Either one of those can knock you out of ketosis. And honestly, it's not necessarily a bad thing going in and out. But if you stay out of ketosis long enough, then it's possible you might start to gain some of the weight back. This is why we kind of created the one on one. So, you know, you're kind of a prime example. If you cut out the sugar and the carbs and you start eating real whole food and you do the bulletproof coffee, most people lose weight, feel better, um, get rid of a lot of their symptoms. And then at some point they get to kind of that wall and they've had great results, but they can't quite break through. That's when we really kind of need to dig in and find more information. And that's the whole reason we created the one-on-one. There's just no possible way for me on the air. It's kind of like trying to diagnose one of these new trucks. We can't really do it on the air anymore. We've got to get it in, get our hands on it, and get more information. Kind of the same thing here with the one-on-one. So if you want more information about the one-on-one, it is open right now. It's available to anybody. You can go to the website, letstruck.com, and check it out, or call us, 855-800-FUEL, 855-800-3835.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We're going to go to Kansas. James, welcome to the program. How you doing, Kevin? Hey, I uh, Good. had a question on, on the uh, 2553 form. Okay. From, could, you, uh, could, could you maybe get a little closer to your phone, or I'm having a hard time hearing you. Is that better? Uh, a little, not much. Is that better, Kevin? There you go. Is that better? Yep, there you go. Go uh-huh. ahead. Okay. So the um, the form, I believe it's the 2553, going from sole proprietor to escort? Yes. I, I, yes. Okay. I have a question on, is that a one-time um, bill? Like I have to do it within this year or X amount of uh, months prior to, I mean, uh, before, how does that work? So we file the form just one time and depending on some things there, there's when you're making a conversion. Now, if you wanted to start a new business, you can do that anytime. But if you're making a conversion of a business already formed and you're converting it to an S-Corp, then we have a limited amount of time at the beginning of the year to do that. But once we make the election, it's just a one-time thing. Okay. So it's it's done at the beginning of the year, and it doesn't matter what year. You can do the conversion any time of owning your business. I guess that's what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, it doesn't matter if we've been in business one year or 15 years, but you you can only file the form in the first um, 75 days of your tax year. So for most okay. people that are okay. sole proprietors, their tax year starts on January 1st. So uh, it's usually right. by March 15th, you've got to get that form uh, and the election made by March 15th. Okay, great. All right, thanks a lot. You're welcome. So your timing is good because you're all set up now and and we're coming up and you'll have, you know, those first 75 days of next year to make that election uh, for the 2017 tax year to become a corporation. Let's go to Oklahoma. Shannon, welcome to the program. Hi, KR. Thanks for taking the call and all you do. Uh, so I've got an exhaust question. I've got a 2000 Volvo 770 with Detroit and dual exhaust factory. And I'm about to need, you know, it's about time I could use a couple of exhaust pieces and a couple of mufflers pretty soon. And I've heard you talk about a grass burner. Um, oh, and these are five inch all the way, all the way out. So, okay. you know, I thought, well, if, if it makes sense, should I switch over to a grass burner or over to a single or, you know, put it back like it is in what you thought? Yeah. So the first question, do you idle much? Well, that's a side issue. I, I used to, and I, I still am, although I'm trying to just tough it out, and I am shopping for an APU. So 
I don't plan to a lot in the future is the answer. Okay, because that is clearly the one side, the one downside to a wheat burner is if you idle, it can be a little obnoxious um, for both you and anybody part next to you. So that's something okay. you want to keep in mind. But if you're not going to idle, it really is my favorite form of exhaust because we can build a very short, great exhaust with the least amount of fight and the least amount of bend. And that's what really brings our back the secondary advantage over a system like this is a whole lot cheaper and less weight and, you know, everything instead of a complicated dual exhaust. Now, it, it seems like with the testing we've done that if you build a really well-designed dual exhaust, that you can reduce back pressure slightly more than a single exhaust wheat burner. But in my opinion, it's not enough to matter. And, and the cost of doing it and, and all the other stuff. So if I'm looking for, you know, the, the least expensive option with the least back pressure, I just like a well-designed wheat burner. Um, secondary to that, if you don't want to go with the wheat burner, I would just look at the design of your exhaust now and see, is there any way to take out any vents? Um, to shorten it at all and, and probably not on that truck but I, I always look at the exhaust before we replace anything and say you know is there a 90 degree bend we can take out and replace is there a way to simplify and clean this up and get fewer bends but I, I still believe that you know a well designed wheat burner is a really good exhaust Okay, well, what's a well-designed weed burner? I mean, I think so it's, you know, as few nine. Yeah, so, but when we look at factory stuff, you know, I, I, I get it. The engineers have a lot of things they have to take into account when they build a truck. And right. their goal is to build the best exhaust system they can possibly build. It's like I, I, I've said that we could look at every component on every truck and we can find a way to improve it. And if you tried to build okay. a truck, that would end up costing $400,000. Nobody's going to do it. So sometimes you can look at an exhaust and say, well, why did they put that bend there? You know, we could do this instead, and we could eliminate that curve. Or, so that's it, it, just there's so many different configurations that I just like to sit down and look right. at it and think, can we make this straighter and can we make it shorter? Okay, I got you. I appreciate that. Well, uh, I'll switch to health just real quick. Um, Sure. So I've been keto for about three months, and uh, I wanted to pat myself on the back after I heard – I didn't catch it live or uh, on the – over the air. I caught it uh, on the podcast, but the gym on the uh, uh, fasting – and it gave me, and so I was already keto, and so it gave me the courage to, uh, I did a 96-hour fast with uh, just two cups of coffee a day with some wow. heavy cream in it. Wow. And it was effort effortless, I, I swear. And water, a lot of water, but nothing yeah. else. And it was, Kevin, I mean, effortless. I, I couldn't Isn't believe it. I know. It, it's, um, you know, I... I, I 
grew up, I've talked about this before, started wrestling when I was very young. Weight was always a big thing. So you were always trying to cut one more weight class down. I starved myself. It was miserable. Absolutely miserable. Right. And in other times throughout my life, I've heard all the benefits of fasting. And I've tried. Just doing a 24-hour fast can be absolutely miserable until you're fat adapted. And once you're fat adapted, like you just yeah. said, it's just not a big deal at all. And there really are a lot of benefits to occasionally doing, you know, a fast like that. 96 hours is an awesome fast. Well, uh, again, uh, every time 24 hours went by, I just could not believe that I still didn't feel like I needed to eat. And it was, I, I couldn't believe it as it was happening. But the, and then the second part of that is, you know, I haven't heard you talk much about fasting. I try to get most of your shows. Um, are you pretty much in line with uh, Jimmy Moore, or do you have any other uh, thoughts? No, it, it, as a matter of fact, you know, um, I, I follow Jason Fung, Dr. Fung, a lot, and, and that's who wrote the book with Jimmy Moore. So I, I, yes. I'm yes. a huge believer of fasting. And, and what I've found, what, what I do most of the time is I do kind of the 86. And I, I do it almost right. every day, and I don't think about it anymore. So I just try to keep all and of my food. Yeah. I just try to keep all of my food intake between about noon and 6 every day. And that way you're doing an 18-hour fast every day. And it doesn't, it's, it's not hard at all. In fact, it's kind of enjoyable. And I feel good, and it's an easy way to fast for me. So other than that, I haven't tried, I really haven't tried an extended fast yet, like multiple days. I, I may or may not. I really kind of like the 18 and I think looking at the research, you get a lot of the same benefits because you're doing it so consistently. All right. Well, very good. I appreciate everything you do for us. You're welcome. But on top of that, doing those extended fasts, even though I haven't really done one yet, I, I think they're awesome. I think there are a tremendous amount of benefits to fasting like that. So even if you're doing the 18-6, which you said you are, doing a 96-hour fast, if you did it once a month, like that would be fantastic. Or even every once a quarter would be good. Stick around. We'll be right back with more stuff. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment, so I'm going to get right back to some phone calls. We're going to head off to Arkansas. Larry, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. What can I help some, you with today? Some background. Some background. Uh, I'm I'm now a company driver. I've been a company driver for a long time. I've been listening to you ever since for the beginning, and just because I like picking up bits of information here and there. And but I'm thinking about uh, well I heard you your uh, 
one show where you talked about it, and now is the time to get in. And and the company I'm working for is it speaks talking about putting inward-facing cameras, so that makes has made me start thinking about other options. I was pretty happy with what I was doing, but I, I've been looking at a at a. Uh, so that's my background, and and uh, I started looking at the at the Snyder website to uh, look at some of those Snyder gliders. Do you think that's a good initial way to get in? I I I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I I think those gliders specifically, any used glider, uh, but those specifically, I think they're one of the best values in trucks right now. They're really hard yeah. to beat. The price. Good. They don't have a lot of miles on them. They're spec'd really well. I mean, I, I could buy one of those trucks and make an awful lot of money with it for the next six or seven years. And, and so, how do I how do I go about picking which one? I, like, I'm live. I'm gonna. I'm in. Te I live in Texas, so I'm probably gonna look in Dallas at the ones there. They have four there. I looked on the website. Averaging from four hundred eight thousand to five hundred and and twenty thousand, and the five hundred twenty thousand is the highest price one, which I find odd. But I haven't got to go lay my eyes on them and look at them yet, really. And so, what do I need to look at? Look for? Do I need to take a whole sample from all of them? No, I, I, no, I, I, I've done this a couple times myself over the years. I've, I've bought fleet trucks like this where I had, you know, thirty to pick from sometimes, and. I'm kind of fanatical about this. I, I spend all day with a notebook and I go over, you know, everything from tire tread depth to what kind of tires are on it to mileage to condition. Um, I don't have an easy answer for you. Um, I just, but when I have that, I love having that choice, by the way, of, of multiple different trucks that are basically the same. And I just go through them top to bottom. Uh, I, I, it would be interesting to know why they priced the highest mileage truck the highest. That seems odd. And I even have yes, a formula. I, I even have okay. a formula that I calculate the price per mile left on the truck. And, and we just pick a random, like, you know, 1 million miles. So... You know, how much am I paying for each mile that's left before I get to a million? Um, so that that's one of the formulas I use because, you know, honestly, for me, the first one I would look at would be the lowest mileage. That's that yes. would be the one I would start with. And I would one of the things that I do is, OK, there, we're going to start there with the lowest mileage truck. Now, I'm going to go all over this truck and I'm going to look for a reason not to buy it. And if I can't come up right. with any reason not to buy that one, then that's probably the one I'm going to buy. But let's say that I'm looking through it, and for some reason this one ended up with eight recaps on it. Well, that that's, you know, if I have to go buy all new tires, it's several thousand dollars. So that may be enough to, to bump me up to looking at the next truck, you know, with, with the least amount of miles. And I might go through that. And maybe that one, you know, it, now I, I would do a rig dig report on all of these. That might be the other way that we could. And you can buy a package where you get so many rig dig reports or you can do so many in, in so many days. 
I, I might start there because that may eliminate one or two of the trucks off the list. Maybe one of them has been wrecked or maybe one has had, you know, been put out of service six times, you know, for mechanical issues on the road. I, I'd be looking for those kind of things to maybe eliminate a truck. So yeah, a lot I was of kind of wondering about the lowest mileage when why why it was so low of miles and and I, I was wondering if it might have been in the shop more. It's just well, the first thing we, that popped in my head anyway. We might be able to tell that from the rig dig. You might ask if they have maintenance history on these trucks. They may or may not, and they may or yes. may not give it. To you. I don't know, but that it'd be worth asking. Um, yeah. So. I say there's no exact science. I don't have a checklist for this, but I would I wouldn't rush it. I would spend plenty of time um, going through them. If you get it down to, let's say you narrowed it down to two and you can't figure out which one to pick, then I might see if they would let me take it to an engine shop and put it on the dyno. Um, it, it really just depends. I may pull an oil sample at that point if the oil hasn't been changed. If they service these right before they parked them, which they do a lot of times, then an oil sample is going to be kind of worthless. So um, I would start there. I would start with the lowest mileage truck and just start looking for a reason not to buy it. And if you can't find one, then that's probably the one. Let's go to Michigan. Jeff, welcome to the program. Thanks, Kevin. I uh, have a 2004 Columbia 14-liter Detroit with 355 rear end, low pro super singles on it, and my 10-speed auto shift died on me this summer, and I had it replaced with a 13 direct. Uh, wait, wait, hold on. Oh. Hold on. I I don't think it could have been a 13 direct with 355s. So that wouldn't have worked. It's got to be an overdrive. Well, I've I've had a 13 direct put in, and that's that's the conundrum I'm in. I'm pulling 1600 on the tack now with the, I believe a direct. Oh, okay. That and and that's what I was going to say. That it's it's almost impossible to match a. In fact, I'm almost thinking that 13 speed might be an a single overdrive because 355. Okay would not work at all with the direct. I think you would be more like 1,800 RPM. So I'm thinking okay. you may have a 13-speed single overdrive. Okay. I won't. That's what my question is. I know I need to do a gear ratio change. What to? Because I've watched my fuel economy drop a little over a mile a gallon. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so here's the thing. Before I would recommend a, a gear change, I would want to absolutely verify which transmission we have. There are so many models of transmissions with different gear ratio setups. So the first thing I would do is I would find the model number off that transmission. And then I would go okay. look at and if you if you send it to me, support at letstruck.com, um, I could go look it up and then we could get you back on the air and we could talk about it. But it, before I, I'm leaning towards um, 264 or 279, and that way you would run I, in 12, which would be direct. That, and if that's this is a, was, 
Yeah, that's what I'm leaning towards. But I don't want you to run out and buy gears and then find out we were thinking about the wrong transmission. That would suck. So the first thing I would want you to do, verify the model number. If you want to get it to me, um, send it over to us. And I'll look at the ratios and then we'll make the decision. I'll get right on that. Second question I have is my mechanic that I've dealt with for 15 years, I've got 600,000 miles on this uh, Detroit rebuild. Doesn't burn any oil. I don't have any, any problems with it. He's really pressing me hard on doing an overhead. And I'm, I mean, outside of general maintenance, if it isn't broke, don't fix it is kind of where my point of view is. Should I let him get in and redo the overhead? Uh, are, are you doing any oil samples at all? Unfortunately, no. I'm trying to I make would, a uh, life decision whether to glider this truck with a gear ratio change or leave it alone and buy myself a new truck. I, I would do one oil sample before I would let anybody do an overhead because I can tell from an oil sample if a truck needs the valves reset or not. If soot is low and fuel dilution is low, then no, don't let him in there. If it, I mean... It, if we see high soot, and, and on this engine, I would say as long as it's less than one with about 20,000 miles on the oil. So I would sample the oil when we have about 20,000 miles on the oil. And as long as the soot was less than one, I wouldn't touch the overhead. Okay. Well, I'm due for an oil change this week. So I'll. is there someplace I can get one of the sampling kits out here on the road in between Texas and Michigan? Uh, I, have sample. I don't want, I know how you feel about the bench test and I don't want to waste the well, money don't on even, that. Yeah, don't even do one of those. Um, you know, we can mail out a sample. I'm just not sure if we can get it to you someplace on the road that's going to work or not. Um, at the engine shop where most, most shops can do a full service sample of some kind. And any, any, sample as long as it's full service not a bench top will be fine i really like ours in polaris labs but if you get any sample full service where they have to mail it off um that should work there's the music that means i am all out of time we'll do it again next show join us then be safe be profitable be fit and healthy always do the hard work master the journey. Kevin Rutherford, thanks everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.